0: And you would help us to be obedient to you, and you would help us to follow you as well. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time as we hear the word together, and that it would be clear, and it would encourage each one of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, do any of y'all remember when Brother Paul got called to preach? After he got saved, God told him through the Holy Spirit that there were three groups of people he was going to preach to. He was going to preach to Gentiles. That was people who weren't Jews. He was going to preach to Jews, the house of Israel. And the third group? Kings. Kings. That's right. Very good. Well, Brother Paul, if you remember, he had gone on the first missionary journey, he and Brother Barnabas, and they had gone down here to the island of Cyprus. They preached. They went up here, all around these churches, and then they went Home on his second, yep, it took a while. His second missionary journey, he went further. He went up and visited the churches that had been started on the first missionary journey. And Brother um, Barnabas went down here to Cyprus, but he went up with his team and he started churches up in Philippi, up in Berea. He went and preached in Athens and Corinth. Then remember, he met a couple. Do you remember who the husband and wife were? That he met at Corinth and he made tents with them. And then they traveled with him to Ephesus. Anybody remember their names? No, good guess. Priscilla. Uh huh. Priscilla was the wife and the husband was Aquila. Aquila and Priscilla. And he took them with him to Ephesus and he left them in Ephesus. He had sent all of his other workers. Brother Luke had gone up here to Philippi and was pastoring the church at Philippi. He had sent Timothy and Silas to other churches, and then he by himself came back down to Jerusalem, went back up to Antioch, spent maybe a year. We don't really know how long. Between two verses in the Bible, we end the second missionary journey and start the third. So we don't know how long he stayed in Antioch, but one day he knew it was time to set out again. But about the time he is setting out from Antioch to head into back to revisit the places he's been before and start out in Ephesus. During this time period, there was a new man who had come to the city of Ephesus. He was a man who had heard about John the Baptist. He had studied the Bible and he had come to Ephesus and he came to the synagogue and he started preaching. But when he started preaching, he started preaching the preaching of John the Baptist. He was really powerful in his preaching, but as he preached at the synagogue, Ananias and Sapphira looked at one another. Ananias and Sapphira. Aquila and Priscilla, Ananias and Sapphira, they're dead. Aquila and Priscilla heard him in the synagogue and said, we need to take this man home and disciple him, teach him about Jesus because he doesn't know the whole story yet. He only knows part of the story. So they took him home and they began to disciple him. Well, he very quickly understood about Jesus, and he was very quickly ready to teach others that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Savior. And so this man's name was Apollos. He was from Alexandria, Egypt, but he was really, really good at explaining Jesus to the Jews. And he would go out into to the marketplace and people would come and argue with him. They'd be so mad at the things he was saying and they would ask him questions and try to trip him up. And he was really good at explaining how that Jesus was Messiah. Well, about that this time, he decides he needs to go to the city of Corinth and preach there and help the Christians there. So brother Aquila and sister Priscilla wrote a letter to the church at Corinth encouraging them to listen to the things that Brother Apollos has to say. So Brother Apollos went and started preaching in Corinth. But around this time, Brother Paul sets out on his third missionary journey. Oh, I forgot I had this slide. So Brother Apollos goes from Ephesus, takes a boat, and goes to Corinth. So Brother Paul sets out, and he begins by visiting the churches in Derby and Lystra, these churches where he had started churches on his first missionary journey. He went by some of them and encouraged them, maybe all of them. We don't know which places he stopped exactly. But his main goal right now was to get to the city of Ephesus and preach the gospel and encourage the people that he had led to the Lord the first time he was there and encourage the ones that Aquila and Priscilla had led to Christ. So brother Paul goes to Ephesus and the first three months he would go into the synagogue and he would teach the Jews about Jesus. But after about three months, they didn't really want to hear it anymore. When he got to this city, it was a very, very fancy city, a very wealthy city. As you can see, this is a reconstruction of what the main street looks like. Now, this right here is all that's left today. Of that main street that we see in this picture. But notice the statues in front of the houses and shops. I mean, we're talking, this was a place that had a lot of money, but it was also a place that worshiped a lot of gods. And they were very superstitious and they liked to do witchcraft as well. There was a lot of these things here, but Brother Paul, he would go and encourage the Jews and try to lead them to Christ. Then, For two whole years, he would preach in one of their meeting houses, one of their schools. And apparently, he would teach in the afternoon. The people in Ephesus like to take a siesta. They like to take a nap in the afternoon. So Brother Paul would rent out the lecture hall at the college. And he would go and he would preach every afternoon for two years. But God started doing some really special stuff. In fact, the book of Acts tells us in chapter 19 that God began to do special miracles. That meant it wasn't just an ordinary miracle. I mean, any miracle is special, right? If Brother Paul went and he prayed for somebody and God healed them, that was amazing. But the Greek word that's translated special there means it was unique, it was different than anything God had done anywhere else with Brother Paul, because there were odd things that would happen. If somebody had a handkerchief, I don't have a handkerchief, but I think I have a tissue, okay? Okay, it's clean. Okay, so if they took a handkerchief, all they had to do was come over to Brother Paul and just touch it against his skin. And if it touched Brother Paul's skin, then they could take it home to somebody who was, say, blind. And so they'd take it over to their blind son and put it on his head, and all of a sudden he could see. Or if somebody was almost dead, they were sick, they didn't know what was wrong, with they just took it over, put it on him, and boop, he'd be healed. Or if somebody had a demon inside of them, all he had to do was take a, uh, an apron that, or, a, or a cloth that had touched Brother Paul's skin, they'd take it over, lay it on the person, and psh, the demon would leave. Why do you think God would do something so unique, something so, what seems almost odd, very unusual, strange. It was, would be strange to us? Well, remember what I said, these people worshipped a lot of false gods, and they also did a lot of witchcraft and they had people, there was a big library there in town, and people would go to the library, and they would buy books, and some of these books would teach you magic words you could say over people who had demons, or magic words you could say for good luck, and all kinds of stuff. So when Brother Paul gets to Ephesus, and he starts preaching, and people start believing, God starts doing miraculous things, so that these superstitious people would realize God has given Brother Paul real power, And we need to listen to what he has to say. Well, he's preaching here and all of these just amazing miracles are happening. Well, one day there were some guys, the seven sons of Sceva. Who were they? The seven what? Okay, the seven sons of Sceva. Well, these men, they were men who were called exorcists. They would go and cast demons out of people. And so they had these different chants, they would say, and things that they'd gotten out of their books. But when they realized that Brother Paul was just so powerful at casting out demons, they said, well, we need to, we need to use the name of Jesus It sounds familiar today, doesn't it? Adults, you know, go to school and learn how to use the name of Jesus. Well, that's what these guys did. They were going to use the name of Jesus, and they can make big money doing this. So they go into a demon-possessed man, and they tell this demon-possessed man, all seven of the brothers are in there now, and they tell this demon-possessed man, they tell his demons, they said, in the name, we command you to leave in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And all of a sudden, the demon started talking out of the man and said, Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. But who are you? And all of a sudden, the demon-possessed man went crazy. And he attacked the seven brothers. And he ripped all their clothes off. And they all ran home really embarrassed. I'll just say it that way. Why? Because the name of Jesus is not magic. These men were trying to use the name of Jesus to make money. These men didn't have real faith. These men didn't believe in Jesus. They just realized that Brother Paul had powerful words. And so they tried to use the words of Brother Paul and it didn't work. But when people heard what had happened to these seven brothers of Sceva, it scared them bad. And they realized Jesus is the one with the real power. We need to believe on him. People all over the region, that region of Asia started getting saved. In other cities, they were hearing what was going on. And for those two years when Brother Paul would preach in the afternoons, people would come and argue with him and they'd be mad at him and they would try to trip him up. But the more Brother Paul talked, the more people believed and the gospel was spreading all over. This is a picture of what their library would have looked like. It was the third largest library in the Roman Empire. They had thousands of books and scrolls. And as I said, many of these books and scrolls had things written in them on how to do witchcraft. Well, as people began to get saved, they realized this is wrong. In fact, God forbids witchcraft. They said, we need to get all of our books that have to do with witchcraft and we're going to burn them. So they went out and held a public burning so that even the lost people could see. And they got together. And they started counting up how much money they had spent on all of those books. And they built a big bonfire with their books and all their witchcraft, and they burned it all. When I was a teenager, I met a guy who was a couple years older than me. He was also a teenager. And he called me one day. He had started coming to our church, and I'd given him my phone number. And my dad and I were witnessing to him, and he got saved. Well, he called me one day and he said, Aaron, I need to tell you something. He had long black hair, really, really dark black hair, and his eyes were really dark and he just looked evil and his skin was bleached white. And when he would come into church at first, before he got saved, he'd sit on the back row and just stare and he looked really scary. Well, then he got saved and something changed in his eyes. But he called me one day. He said, Aaron, I need to tell you something. He said, I've been into witchcraft. I've been studying to be a warlock. The reason why his skin was so pale is because he wouldn't come out in the daytime. He would only come out at night. And he had grown his hair out long because that was part of his um, rituals and associated with his um, wizardry. And he'd gotten up pretty high at being a wizard. He was worshiping Satan. But then he got saved, and one day our church was studying Acts. And when we got to this part in the book of Acts where they brought all their witchcraft and they burned it, my dad said, we all need to go home, and we need to go through our homes, and if we have anything that is associated with witchcraft, anything evil, we're going to hold a bonfire at church. He said, but bring it in bags so that nobody else can see what you've got. And so people brought stuff and we had a bonfire. Well, when it came time for the bonfire, Randall came over and said, Miss Patty, that's my mom, said, would you cut my hair? He had figured out in the Bible that the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. But he said, my long hair, I grew it out long because that was part of my being a wizard. And I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. So a lady from our church that was a beautician, she got a stool there by the fire, and with the whole church standing around him, she would cut off chunks of his hair, and he would take it, and he would throw it in the fire. Why? Yeah, it stunk. Why? Because he didn't want to have anything to do with his witchcraft because he wanted to serve Jesus. And the last time I saw him, he was working with teenagers at a church, on staff at a church, and is serving God today. Why? Because he wanted to turn away from his witchcraft and not keep any part of it. He wanted to get rid of all of it so he could serve Jesus with all of his heart. Well, that's what these people started doing in Ephesus. They started burning their items. Well, as the two years went on and more and more people throughout this part of Asia were getting saved, there were some people that didn't like it. One of those people that didn't like it, was a silversmith named Demetrius. And the silversmith, he worshiped the goddess Diana. This is a picture of what her temple would have looked like there in Ephesus. This is what is left today of the temple. Yep, that part right there is still standing to the temple of Diana of the Ephesians. Well, this guy, he would make little statues, little idols, to represent Diana and her her, um, temple. And people could go buy it and you would take it home and you would have your own God sitting in your own house. And they made big money making these silver statues. Well, when he started seeing how many people were getting saved, he realized the people getting saved, they won't buy statues anymore because they don't worship Diana, they worship Jesus now. So he went to the other silversmiths in town. He said, we've got to figure out how to get rid of this Paul. And of all these people who were believing in what they called Christians by then was those people who were believing the way. So we got to get rid of them. So he started stirring up a riot. And he got people so mad. He said, these guys are going out and they're, they're talking bad about Diana, our goddess and they are going, and they're, they're they're destroying our temples, and nobody believes in Diana anymore, and all the people started getting mad, and they started hollering, and they went looking for Brother Paul to arrest him, but the problem was they couldn't find Brother Paul. I don't know where he was, but he was nowhere to be found at that moment, so they found two of his traveling companions, and they grabbed them, and they took them down to the big Colosseum that was built in Ephesus at the time, and they got there to the Colosseum, and they brought them in, and the whole city came, and they're standing in this huge Colosseum, and one of the men got up to speak, and the silversmith said, we can't let them get a chance to talk. People may hear them and realize we're telling some lies about them, so we need to start a problem, and one of them hollered out, great is Diana of the Ephesians! Oh yes, oh yes, great is Diana of the Ephesians! And so the whole crowd the Bible says a whole bunch of them didn't even know what they were hollering about. But they had come out in the mob and they all started screaming so that the Jews couldn't speak. Greatest Diana of the Ephesians! greatest Diana of the Ephesians! And they just shouted that as a crowd over and over and over for two whole hours. So they're screaming and hollering. This is what it would have looked like back then. And so they would have been up here at the front And all the crowd is gathered around and the two Christian men by themselves. Well, Brother Paul was outside and he heard what was going on. He had come up by this point and he tried to go in to speak for the Christians. But the other Christians who were outside grabbed Brother Paul and told him, you better not go in there. They will hurt you. So they wouldn't let Brother Paul go in. This is what's left of it now. Can you imagine? This is filled with people all shouting, worshiping their goddess Diana. Diana. And two little Christian men standing down here against the whole city. Well, this goes on for two hours. And finally, the city clerk stood up and he calmed the crowd. And he told them, guys, if they hear about this in Rome, we are going to be in big trouble. These men have done nothing to break our laws as the Romans. But if you have a problem with them, you should take them to court and do this rightly. I'm not going to hear anything about this. We all need to go home. We all need to stop what's going on or we're going to get in trouble from Rome. Well, that made everybody be quiet. And they finally went home. Well, after this, a little while after this, Brother Paul knew it would be time for them to leave. But while he was at Ephesus, he wrote a special letter. He heard that there were problems down here in the city of Corinth. Now, who had gone to preach in Corinth while he was away? Anybody remember? The man from Alexandria, Egypt? Brother, uh, no, not Brother John Mark. Uh, Apollos. Apollos. Brother Apollos was here. Well, the Christians were so immature in Corinth that some of them, they started having arguments at church. Some of them would say, well, I don't like Brother Apollos. I don't like the way he talks. I only listen to Brother Paul preach. And another one said, well, I only listen to Brother Apollos preach because I like And there were even some that said, well, I prefer Peter's preaching. And so there was a big argument. And there were all kinds of sins that the Christians were doing. So Brother Paul had to write them a letter and say, Brother Apollos is not my enemy. We work together. I planted the seeds of the gospel. He has come to water the seeds. He's come to preach and to help more people get saved. We work together. It's God that gives the increase. So he writes his first letter to the church at Corinth. And we have that in our Bibles as the book of 1 Corinthians. Well, then he goes up to Troas and across to to Philippi. He finally gets over to Philippi. And in the process of all of this, he writes a second letter because he hears there's more problems. Now, we don't have the second letter that he wrote, but the third letter he wrote, we call it, anybody read that right there? 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians, and he gave further instructions to the church at Corinth. Well, then he made a trip down to Corinth himself, and he showed up, because he told him in that second letter, or 2 Corinthians that we have now, he told them, yes, he started writing a lot of books by this point. He told them, he said, if you don't get this straightened out, then when you get there, I'm going to be upset, and I'm going to let you have it, and so... He went down to see them, but while he was staying in Corinth for a few weeks, he wrote another book of the Bible. What book is that? Romans. That's right. Well, there started to be problems, and each one of these towns he went to, he would sit, and he would teach, and he would preach, and he would encourage the Christians and help um, win new people to Christ. Then he made a trip across to Athens, and he went back up to Berea, and he went back up to Philippi. And when he got to Philippi, brother Luke, who had been the pastor of Philippi this whole time, started traveling with him again. And they went across to Troas because when he left Ephesus, he knew there's some place I have to go. Two places. I've got to go to Jerusalem and then I've got to go to Rome. Where was the first place? Jerusalem, where was the second place? Rome. And so he said, I've got to hurry. I can't stay anywhere long. So this whole time he's been quickly going to visit all these people because he knew it was the last time he would get to visit them. And so he went and visited all these people, but in every city he went to, somebody would come to him and say, The Holy Ghost told me to tell you that if you go to Jerusalem, you're gonna get arrested. They're gonna turn you over to Rome. They're gonna take you to Rome and kill you. And every church he went to, someone would tell him this. Well, Brother Paul got to Troas and he knows he's gonna go, he knows now for sure he's gonna be arrested. He knows he's going to Rome. So he goes to Troas, and he's spending some time with the Christians there. And he got up. He only had one day. So he gets up, and he starts preaching. Well, when you don't have much time left, you know you got a lot to say. you got to say it all, right? So he got to talking, and he talked, and he talked, and he talked, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached. And they were in a room that had—it was three stories tall of a room. And they had candles all up light, lit, and twinkling up in the upper stories. And it came to be night, and they're sitting there. And brother Paul's been preaching for a long time, and with all those candles twinkling, one of the guys up in a window, Eutychus. Oh, you sure you're getting really sleepy? And all those twinkly lights going. He's sitting there listening to brother Paul, and looking at the candles. Whew, he's starting getting sleepy. And after a little while, Brother Paul preached so long he couldn't fight it anymore. And he fell asleep and he leaned over. (sighs) Well, what's going to happen if you lean over sitting in a window? (laughs) Especially if you're asleep, you can't grab for anything. And Eutychus was sitting up there and he fell out. He fell down three stories dead. (laughs) Just splat dead right there on the pavement. Brother Paul goes running out, scared him to death. He probably had a little bit of guilt. He probably felt guilty. He'd never had anybody die while he was preaching. And Brother Paul ran out and he laid down on the guy and he hugged him and he prayed for him. And all of a sudden the man woke back up and Brother Paul looked up and said, it's okay. He's alive. He's alive. It's okay. It's okay. Well, that was a miracle. I mean, they die while he's preaching. Anyway, so they went inside and Brother Paul decided it was time to quit preaching from the pulpit. And they went inside and they had supper together. And they sat there and talked and he taught all night long until the sun came up. And the people encouraged him. Oh, there we are. There he is getting Eutychus up off the floor. There they are eating and talking. Okay, here we go. And then they left there. And every town they're going to, people are encouraging them or it's begging him not to go to Jerusalem because he's going to get arrested. Well, somewhere along the way right here between these two places, brother Paul decided he wanted to walk for a little while. So brother Luke and the others got on the boat and he walked. But then they went down here to Miletus, which is just south of Ephesus. He's in a hurry. He feels like he has to get to Jerusalem quick, but he wants to talk to the elders at the church at Ephesus. So he sends a letter that tells the brothers at Ephesus to come quickly. And so the elders of the church rush down and brother Paul begins to talk to them and he gives them his farewell speech. And he tells them in the farewell speech, he said, every place I go, they all tell me if I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to get arrested. He said, but none of these things move me. He said, I don't value my life so much that I'm not willing to die. He said, I am willing to not just be arrested. I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. So he started encouraging the preachers. He said, When I leave, there's gonna be some bad guys that are gonna come in and teach false doctrine. And even some of you are gonna start teaching false doctrine because you're gonna to try to win everybody to like you. So he gave them some instructions, told them to keep preaching the word. He said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. He gave them lots of instructions. And then at the end, he told them, He said, I have to leave now, and you're never going to see me again. And they all started crying, and they were hugging him, and they got on their knees and they prayed with him, and they took Brother Paul down to the water, and Brother Paul got on a ship, and he left. And then they docked here at, um, yeah, that place, Patara. And he encouraged Christians there. Then he went down to Tyre. And while they were unloading the boat for a few days, he got to talk to some of the Christians there and encourage them. And there, sure enough, they told him, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. But he wouldn't change his mind. The Christians came down to the boat with him. They all got on their knees and they prayed there in the sand on the side of the beach. Brother Paul got in and he went down and he landed in a couple different places. But when he finally got to Caesarea by the sea, there was a man that lived there by the name of Philip the Evangelist. He was one of the original seven deacons in the church. And he was the one who, remember, went out in the desert and witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch and the Ethiopian got saved and he baptized him. Well, this is Brother Philip the Evangelist. And he was staying at his house. And Brother Philip had daughters who were prophetesses. But while he was staying at their house for a few days, an old man came up from Judea. And he came in and he took Brother Paul's belt. And he got Brother Paul's belt. Oops, my mic is around. There we go. He took Brother Paul's belt and he sat down and he wrapped Brother Paul's belt around his ankles. And then he wrapped them around his hands and he said, this is what's going to happen to the owner of the belt. The Holy Ghost has said that the man who owns this belt, when he gets to Jerusalem, he'll be arrested and turned over to the Gentiles, turned over to the Romans. Well, all of a sudden, Brother Luke got upset. And the other men there, and they started begging, Brother Paul, please don't go. Please don't go. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. They're going to kill you. You can't do that. Please don't do that. And Brother Paul turned around and said, you're breaking my heart. I have got to go to Jerusalem and to Rome. Why was that? God said, you're going to preach to Gentiles. You're going to preach to Jews. And you're going to preach to kings. He had only gotten to preach to a few of the Roman rulers. Now it was time to go preach to the bigwigs of the Roman government. He was going to get to preach to the kings. And he said, I have to go. So finally, Brother Luke and the others said, well, God's will be done. We're going to go with you. So they all got brave and they all loaded up their bags and they traveled down to Jerusalem. Well, When they got to Jerusalem, guess what happened? He got there and he saw the Christians and he talked to Brother James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem, who our son James is named after. And he talked to Brother James and he gave them an update on what all had happened on the trip. And then one day the Romans or the Jews came in rather angry at Brother Paul and they started beating him. The Romans came in and they arrested him and the Romans beat him and they took him away. And at this point, brother Paul was no longer largely known as Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. He's now known as Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. But now he's getting to preach to the Kings. He's getting to preach to the rulers of the Roman empire. And so they arrest him and he gets to talk to ruler after ruler. He gets taken to Rome, to the capital city of the Roman empire. And even there, notice the chains, even though he's in chains, he keeps preaching the gospel. He wins a man to Christ by the name of Onesiphorus. And he later writes a letter about him to Philemon, our book of Philemon in the Bible. And so he's preaching the gospel, even when he's in prison. But while he's there in Rome, what books of the Bible does he write? He writes Philemon, and then read it with me, Colossians, and, and, and 1 Timothy, and then he wrote Titus, and then his last book of all, his last letter, 2 Timothy. And when he got to the end of 2 Timothy, Look how he ended before he gave his closing remarks, saying, Oh, say hi to so and so, and say hi to so and so, and tell so and so to bring me their coat when they come back to Rome. And he gives all these final instructions. Before he does, this is how he ends his letter. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Did that mean he was going to another town? It was time to go to heaven. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I completed what God gave me to do. I have kept the faith. I have not backed down from believing in Jesus. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a what? He wasn't scared to die. To die meant he was going to get his crown. He was going to be with Jesus, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. And with that, he closed his letter and then he wrote some personal things to some people. But he ended with this. He says, I'm finished. I'm ready to be offered up. And shortly thereafter, Nero took him. And um, church history says that they took him and they cut off his head because they didn't want to hear what he had to say anymore. But it was too late. They couldn't stop the gospel because by now it was spreading through the whole earth. Why? Because some early Christians decided, and especially Brother Paul, decided, I'm going to preach the gospel and I won't stop. He was obedient to God. And I think the biggest thing we can take from Brother Paul's life is that we need to be, every one of us, obedient to God and follow him obey him on a daily basis. Whoever God tells us to witness to, that we witness to, and that we be obedient to him. So let's sing this song together. Here am I, Lord, send me. Let's